Welcome back to the Tasted and Seen podcast. It's been a while since Tristan and I have sat down to record, but we love doing it. So I was very excited to wake up and have it be podcast recording day. Um, we record on Mondays and Mondays are really busy for Tristan and I. We have staff meeting in the mornings um, and then it's usually podcast. We usually try to do them on Mondays um, and errands in between. So we had our staff meeting this morning. It wasn't a very productive one of we I don't know why we met, to be honest. We just cut papers. <laughs> well, we cut papers. It was productive um, for that. And then we got our coffees. Um, so we're really ready to record now. Um, for some reason, in Spearfish, all of the coffee shops, the good coffee shops, because there is good coffee here, but they all decide that Monday is the day they're going to close. We haven't figured that out. It's quite irritating. Yeah, we have like nine coffee shops, and they decide to, like half of them, like four at least, decide to close on Mondays and we're like, we're not about to go to city brew. So sorry, no. city brew, but we're not going there. <laughs> we don't want sponsored from you. We are not going to go there. So we drove, we left Spearfish. We drove like 10 miles to do errands, get coffee in a whole nother town because we're that picky about it. About it's our true. coffee. <laughs> but now we got good coffee. So we're golden. We got good coffee. We're ready to introduce our speaker. I'm very excited about our speaker today. We have had him on the schedule since, For a long time. since September. I've been like, telling people about it since September. Yeah. Um, And then I actually got to hang out with him a little bit more last week. We were both in my hometown, Nebraska, um, because our guest, okay, I should say his name or the story's going to get weird. Um, So we have Matt Proctor with us today. He's the president of Ozark Christian College down in Joplin, Missouri. Um, He has six kids and one of his sons is going to marry my sister. So we got to hang out last weekend in Nebraska while they were getting engaged and joke around and have a good time and get to know him a little bit better before we bring him on. So I'm really pumped that you're on, Matt. Well, thanks for having me. I was looking forward to it even before your sister and my son got (laughs) engaged. But now it's just like, you know, family reunion because Tristan's a cousin too. And and so we're all cousins. Get to know your family reunion time. So looking forward to a good family convo. Uh, Yes. Over Zoom. Family yeah. reunion over Zoom. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> Riverside, technically. Nice. <laughs> so, Matt, um, I know that in the place that, like, you get to be with all of these college students all the time, and you get to be in full-time ministry. Um, so I know that you have seen God move in a lot of crazy ways um, over the span of your life, even before I'm sure that you were president at the college. So could you share some of those really cool stories with us? You bet. I love the focus of the podcast, just asking where you've seen those God moments pop up. And as I was thinking about that, I uh, could tell a lot of stories, but um, the one that kind of instantly came to mind actually um, was a few years back. And some of your listeners may remember that in uh, May of 2011, I live in Joplin, Missouri, May 22nd, 2011, um, an EF5 tornado hit our town of Joplin, Missouri, and it made national news. And a lot of people heard about uh, the devastation of that day. And, um, I, you know, the, um, the sirens went off. It was a Sunday afternoon. It's about 5, uh, 25 in the afternoon when the sirens went off. And by 540, um, the tornado hit, hit the southwest corner of our city. And for the next 13 miles, it was a... It, you know, EF5 tornadoes, that means it's 200 miles an hour plus. Um, the vortex was almost a, a mile wide and it just ripped a jagged scar across the bottom third of our city um, and was was devastating for our community. Um, we 
uh, you know, lost about 8,000 homes. Um, so about a, about a third of our city was affected, uh, lost about 400 businesses, you know, over a thousand people that were injured. And, and most sadly, of course, there were 161 people that lost their lives. And so just a, an absolute horrific natural disaster. But my testimony that I thought I'd love to kind of share today is that even in the darkest hour of our city's history, um, and, and one of the darkest hours just for my family's history, we saw God at work. We saw God show up. And, um, you know, if you were to ask me when I have seen God most clearly, it was probably in, in that um, season, that, that night of May 22nd and in the weeks and months that followed, um, exhausting and heartbreaking though they were, um, you know, God, God was, was present all the way through them. It was just rich with his, with his presence. So, um, if, if it's all right, can I just kind of tell some stories from what happened then? Is that okay? Yes, please do. Okay. Well, I'll kind of start with, with our own family's personal story. Um, so that night, um, that Sunday afternoon, I guess my wife is the um, children's minister. Yay for children's ministers, Lauren. Um, yes. She's a children's minister at our church. And so um, we actually had a, a group of kids. It was her children's choir. So we had about 25 or 30 kids at a park that Sunday afternoon. And I was being game guy and playing kickball and all the stuff with them. And, um, and, and the sirens went off at about 530. We've been kind of keeping our eye on the weather. And of course, you know, there'd been, um, tornado watches, but we live in tornado alley. That's not new, but when the sirens went off and in fact, what was different was this time they actually sounded the sirens twice. That's not normal. Um, we knew something was up. So we immediately grabbed the kids and started heading for the, the vans to try to get them someplace to shelter. Cause there was no place in this park where we were at. I mentioned this was on the Southwest corner of the city which was exactly where the tornado first touched down. So once we got into the vans and started driving, we were already in the midst of the surrounding storm. There was wind, there was rain, it was going sideways, there were branches flying off of trees, vis you know, hitting the windshield, visibility was near zero. And as we're driving, um, all this, we're in this kind of caravan of vans and, and vehicles, all of a sudden this, this huge tree um, falls boom, right across the road, right in front of the lead vehicle. In fact, uh, my wife was driving the lead vehicle and, and she, and she kind of crunched to a stop right into the tree. And these other vehicles in this caravan, you know, uh, weren't expecting the sudden stop. And so they kind of all crunched bumpers and we're trapped right there in the middle of the road. And the storm is getting crazy worse. And we know this is super dangerous. And so we kind of did the only thing that we could think of, which was abandoned vehicles run for the nearest house. We banged on the door and this kindly older couple let us in and let us down into the basement. And it was there in the basement of the house that we rode out the storm. And when we emerged, once the storm had eventually passed um, and went and got the vehicles and had to go a roundabout way, um, it was only then that we kind of began to slowly realize what had actually happened while we were huddled in that basement. We start seeing the news reports on the TV. And then um, we actually, you know, once we got the kids safely delivered to their parents, um, then my, my son and I, my oldest son, started driving to the affected area to see what we could do to help. And it was like a war zone. Um, but what we found out later um, 
because uh, they, they did an infographic um, on the internet for our city. They just showed where all the fatalities had happened, these 161 people who lost their lives in the tornado, um, just across the city map. And what you could see was that the very first fatalities of the tornado were just a few hundred yards beyond where that tree fell across the road, stopping us in our path. And so um, we honestly feel like that was God's providence, just kind of stopping us right there and pushing us over towards shelter. Because if we had kept driving, we'd have been driving right into that path of fatalities. And and so, you know, when I think of God moments and just the protection that, that I have personally experienced, our family's experienced, um, that one was just huge. You know, the God was watching out for our family that day. And man, I could, I mean, there were, of course, 161 lives lost and we grieve every one of those. And I may tell a story or two about those if we have time, but because um, we lost some folks from the, from our church family and from the school family as well. Um, but when the, when the chief meteorologist for the National Weather Service um, came to our town, saw the devastation, um, he said, he said, every day since this event, he says, I th I've thought about the sheer level of destruction and I've wondered how there weren't more people killed. There should have been, there should have been hundreds and hundreds, maybe a thousand. He said, um, people will call this an act of nature, but he said the fact that many, many more weren't killed was an act of God, um, is what the chief meteorologist said. And, and we just saw so many of those stories. Can I, if it, can I tell you one or two more real quick ones? Um, the, um, uh, the guy who is the head of our grounds department here at the college, uh, his name's Virgil. Um, he was actually with his family in a big super center Walmart, uh, on kind of the main drag in our, in our city. And the sirens went off. And of course, all the Walmart shoppers are instantly trying to huddle and find shelter. Now this guy, Virgil, who is the head of our grounds department, um, 20 year, um, army veteran before working for us. And so his military training kind of kicked in. Um, he had his wife and his little four-year-old daughter with him and he huddled up a bunch of other, um, shoppers real quick there in the middle of the store and they had no protection. It's just a big box store, but he ended up, um, deciding to gather a bunch of shopping carts real fast and just kind of make this fort of shopping carts around them. And then they just huddled down and, the tornado hit that Walmart full force, ripped the roof off, the walls are collapsing. And you can imagine the big, tall, heavy, super heavy shelves in Walmart. Those are just toppling over like dominoes. And one of those shelves um, began to topple over straight for Virgil and his little family and this little group of shoppers. Um, but then that shelf ended up, bam, landing on top of the shopping cart. Now, the think about how sturdy a shopping cart is, how heavy those shelves are. There's no way that shopping cart should have held, but it totally did. And it, in essence, um, just, just stopped right on top of that and made a little tent um, of protection under which Virgil and these other shoppers were able to huddle and they all escaped with, with their lives. And there's, you know, um, no, Virgil said, I will always thank God for shopping carts. Um, never, <laughs> probably not on our Thanksgiving list for most of us when Thanksgiving rolls around. I'm thankful for shopping carts, but it was just I'm a adding that. I'm adding that to the grateful pumpkin, mom. The, 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 the you go. That's right. <laughs> oh, when we were at Lauren's house. Yeah. That, when you get to the S, they have a great tradition at Lauren's family where they take a pumpkin and every day leading up to Thanksgiving, they take a different letter of the alphabet and they just write, um, words that start with that letter on that day that they're thankful for. So let's see you guys. 
you're not the S yet. You're probably the M. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, no, no. But you have to write shopping carts down. Um, because that was just a God moment. Um, you know, I'll I'll tell you one more real quick if it's okay. Um, so we have a local artist here in Joplin, uh, who's a friend of mine named Jack Dawson. Paints uh, amazing paintings. We sell them in our bookstore here at the college, and. Um, he, a long time ago, um, long before 2011 had, had, uh, painted a painting. And by the way, his, his paintings are kind of visual sermons cause he's a believer. So he's usually trying to mm. kind of paint something that has a spiritual tone to it. And, um, he has a painting, um, that's called, it's entitled peace in the midst of the storm. And it's a painting of the seaside cliff. Um, and there's a storm raging at sea. So these huge waves are crashing into the side of this cliff and there's rain pelting down and there's lightning in the background across the dark sky. But what you notice, if you look carefully, is in the cleft of the cliff, in a, in a little kind of cave-like area in the middle, there is a dove and that dove is fast asleep and it's protected there in, in, that, in that cliff, in that rock. And he entitled this peace in the midst of the storm. And of course, the the cliff is meant to represent God, our rock and refuge in the in the time of storm. And so this is a painting that he sells. And um, and, and so the the librarian at our college, his name is John Hunter, um, that Sunday evening, May 22nd, 2011, he was actually sitting down with his family to dinner and they're getting ready to have some hot butter biscuits uh, when the sirens go off okay not a big deal but when the siren went off the second time oh we better go find shelter so they went to the bathroom like you're always told to do um and uh, his his wife and his granddaughter got in the bathtub like you're always supposed to do um and and john there wasn't room for all of them in the bathtub he's just kind of sitting there waiting to let the siren pass but eventually their house starts to shake and again the roof rips off and uh he dives over the top of his wife and his granddaughter to cover them with his body there in the bathtub and two befores and insulation and glass are pelting his body hail is coming down and pelting his body this tornado is just shaking his house he said it was like a it was like a giant that was just thumping their house with a fist and um ripping their their house apart around him and eventually when the tornado passed um john you know lifts his body off of his family and they kind of brush all the debris off of them and to their amazement um all three of them escaped literally without a scratch and their house was gone um it had been stripped down to the foundation except for one there's one wall just one wall that was standing it was one of the bathroom walls um, that was left there protecting them in that bathtub. And, um, you know, they, they got out. The other side of that wall was actually, on the other side was the living room. And I have a, I have a picture of this. I actually took a, a photo. Um, after that tornado ripped their house apart, incredibly, a painting still hung on that one wall that was standing that, on the living room side. And the painting was that painting by my friend Jack Dawson called Peace in the Midst of the Storm. You want to talk about a little God wink when he's just like, yeah, I got you. I, you know, there's just a little reminder that I was protecting you. I mean, I, I get goosebumps still. And that's 12 years ago. Um, just God showing that even in the midst of your darkest trial and the most dangerous hour you ever face, I'm there. I've got my hand on you. I'm protecting you. And I could just tell story after story after story of God protecting 
people through that tornado that evening. Um, and so that's, I, I don't know, have you guys ever lived through any kind of a natural disaster or any kind of a um, event like that? No, we have tornadoes, but they're, they're tiny. Yeah. Well. We have the bluffs. You were just in there, the monument. It's mm -hmm. the storms always split around it. Oh right. yeah. They're in, so, in Scott's bluff and gearing. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a, that's a happy thing. I, um, yeah, we, we live in tornado alley here. It's, you know, there's a lot of wonderful things about living in Joplin, but, um, that's that is one not one of them. <laughs> yeah, yes. This, this is, um, you know, the date, uh, there's just certain dates that always kind of live in people's imagination. Everybody thinks of, you know, December 7th, 1941 and, and, you know, Pearl Harbor. And you think of November 22nd, 1963 and the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And there's certain dates that kind of burn themselves into people's minds because of the tragedy or the trauma. And for all of us in Joplin, uh, May 22nd, 2011 will always, will always be that date. Um, it, it's, it's just one of those where everything gets marked as BC and AD from, from that moment. Um, but what's really cool, and I don't mean to monopolize the mic, but, um, is we didn't just see God at work that night, although we did in so many different ways. Um, in fact, there's all kinds of stories of, of kids. In fact, there's a whole book that came out, um, called the butterfly people. And it was just stories that kids would tell, um, in the, in the days that followed, they would tell these stories about seeing butterfly people in the midst of the storm. Um, like protecting them and protecting their family. And they didn't have language to describe angels. Um, but that's what most people would say. Oh, what they were actually seeing was angels, these, these figures with wings that were protecting them. And so if you drive around Joplin, you actually see painted in various places, these murals with butterflies on them um, because of these stories, these little evidences of God's protection that night. But we didn't just see him protecting that night. It was in um, the days and weeks that followed. Um, you know, our, our town was a wreck. I mean, when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, um, in 2005, um, you know, New Orleans never fully recovered. It's, it's probably a, a third to a half of its population, um, before Katrina. And it's still, you know, a wonderful city and a thriving city, but the city was permanently changed. And people were wondering, man, is this going to do Joplin in? I mean, are people just going to move away? Um, and are we just going to be kind of a shell of our former self? Um, and, you know, to God's great credit, um, people started rolling in within hours um, onto the streets of our city. And in the weeks that followed, um, you just saw church van after church van after church van full of volunteers come in with, you know, work gloves on their hands and Jesus in their heart, just coming to try to help our city pick up the pieces. Um, and like at, at the college, uh, you know, we had um, adjourned for the summer. All of our summer classes were just online classes. We didn't have. And so we just opened our dorms up. Um, and that summer, I mean, just us, we housed 3000 volunteers and, and, you know, got to feed them all breakfast before they'd head out to work for the day, but just so, so, so many people that came and I would walk through the parking lot. Oh man, I get choked up <laughs> thinking about it. I'd walk through the parking lot, um, of all of our various dorms. And I would just see these church vans with license plates from California and Oregon and Washington and Florida and Texas and Minnesota and New York. And I mean, they literally came from around the country and they just picked up, they just picked up the pieces. 
um, my son, Luke, was um, heading into his senior year of high school. Um, he had just finished his junior year, um, but he grew up on the farm, and so he knew how to run a chainsaw. And so those first two weeks after the tornado, he was just out every day from from dawn till dusk, you know, 16, 18-hour days, um, just working with the salvage crews and, you know, cutting up trees that had fallen. And every night we all came back exhausted. Um <laughs> And uh, I'll never forget just hearing, uh, I was sitting down with Luke at the end of about two weeks and we we're just tired. It was at the end of the day, but he said, uh, you know, he's, he's 18. He looks at me, he says, dad, um, these last two weeks have been the worst weeks of my life. Um, that first night when we went out into the, into the destruction zone, I mean, we saw dead bodies. We saw all kinds of things that no kid ought to ever see. He said, these have been the, the worst two weeks of my life. He said, but then he said, but these have also been the best two weeks of my life um, because I've seen the church at its best. He just saw the church being the church. And man, they, you know, they just helped us pick up the pieces. And our city now, I can tell you 12 years later, I mean, we're back and better than ever. And um, so many people who weren't believers saw the church at its best. And I can tell you that there are all kinds of God stories out there of people who decided to give Jesus a try and heard the gospel for the first time because of what they saw in the wake of the tornado. And so it wasn't just his protection on that evening, May 22nd, but in the weeks and months that followed, um, we just saw God again and again and again. I mean, I could tell you so many churches or so many stories about the, the churches just right here in our town and the way that some of them responded and the way that they cared for the people of our city and our community. Um, there are people still today that are part of that church because of the way um, God's people reached out back in May of 2011. And a decade later, you know, they're, they're believer, believers in Jesus Christ because of that. So all that is to say, um, you know, even in our darkest hour, even, even in our um, uh, most, most violent storms, God's there. God's present. God's keeping his promise. He's totally faithful. Um, so those are, I don't know, th those are just some of the stories that come to mind when you say, where have you tasted? Where have you seen the goodness of God? Um, when, when we came out of that season, um, you know, I, we were all exhausted. We were, you know, just physically and emotionally and mentally drained. Um, but I can say that my, my soul, my spirit, has never been fuller. Um, you know, maybe, you know, they, they say hunger is the best seasoning, right? The best food you'll ever eat is when you're really hungry. Uh, the best bottle of water you'll ever drink is, is when you're super thirsty. And maybe it's because it was in the midst of, you know, the worst pain and destruction that I've ever personally seen. Um, but that's the, that's the sweetest that God has ever tasted in my life was just seeing his providential and protective hand at work. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that story. Um, I think it's kind of crazy because one, you see, you see the evil. I mm -hmm. see, you see, you know, Satan's real. You see, evil's will real. Uh, you see, this this world is fallen. Mm -hmm. It's not perfect. There's going to be hardships, like you mentioned. But in that, like you mentioned as well, in the hard season, in the dark season, in the worst season you've experienced in life, or your son's experienced in life. 
God shone through. Like God was there. Mm-hmm. He did miracles. He literally stopped you guys, saved you guys. He saved a bunch of people physically and then spiritually, but also it gave an opportunity for the church to be a church. And mm-hmm. I think about in the Bible and acts like when the church was getting persecuted is when it exploded because it gave an opportunity for people to see God, not only himself, but in people, he got to see people got to see the church being the church. Mm-hmm. And so even in a thing that happens in this world, even in a thing that Satan's using to destroy people, God shines through and the church had an opportunity to act and they did. Mm. And it changed lives, lives of people forever. And I think that's powerful. I appreciate you sharing that, that story. And Mm. those, those are, those are awesome stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I love uh, that it shows. Yeah. Sorry. I love that it shows that bad things don't change the character of God. Yeah. Because from day one or from the beginning of Bible, before time even began, like God's heart has always been about restoring and it's always been about redeeming. Um, and nothing that the devil can do is going to change with the fact that God's always, always about restoring, always about redeeming, always bringing them back to him, always growing us spiritually our God doesn't change. Those are always going to be true about the character of God. And those stories just amplify um, that he is never going to change. We're always going to get to see God restoring. We're always going to get to see him redeeming and bringing good out of the bad because that's the kind of God that we serve. And that's kind of the theme we've been going on is redeemer, right? That's what we talked about, Patrick. God is is a redeemer. He redeems us. Hmm. He fulfills us. He comes in during our dark times and brings light Hmm. and shines and breaks through the darkness. Yeah. Well, I, I think maybe it was Charles Spurgeon who said, God has never outpromised himself yet. And, and God was true to his promises to be our redeemer, to be our rock, to be our refuge, our provider, um, and our protector. I just saw him, you know, keep promise after promise, check, 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 check. And, and his faithfulness was never brighter than, than in that dark, dark time. And another thing I really enjoy about that story is it also reminds us, it reminds all of us that God is here. It's he's not just out there. He's here. Like like I said, angels were there. He's here. We live in a physical world, but the spiritual is right there with us. God's right mm-hmm. here. He's living with us. He's inside us. It's it's a true reality that I think sometimes living in America that we kind of push off because we're so physical, but that's a good reminder that yeah, we're physical, but God is spiritual right here. He's living in us. He's there. Angels are surrounding us. There's a war zone that we mm-hmm. can't even see, but God shines through. Even from the spiritual, the physical, he's there. He shines through. He's constantly there protecting us in ways we can't even imagine. He sees the future. He knows what has to be done to save us. And and then it's after the fact that you realize, oh, he saved us. Yeah. He was there. He knew this was going to happen. He saved us. And it's after the fact that we then can share stories like this mm-hmm. and tell our testimony of God literally saved my life, not not spiritually, which he's done. Yeah. Uh, he saved all of us, but he physically saved my life and ton of others as well. Hmm. I have a quick question. I know that we're a little on crunch time, but this question I've been, it popped into my head early on, so I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, there are some people who are... Um, maybe haven't walked through something that drastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're kind of seeing that in our church, or I guess in the big C church all over, um, even believers, I feel like, are having a hard time seeing God. 
um, in the small moments because it's kind of hard to do. Like it takes intentionality. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's not there, but if you're not looking, they're not, it's you're not, not going to as... find him. So what advice would you give to people um, to see God in the everyday moments? Because they're going to be like, okay, yeah, obviously you saw God. It was literally a tornado and the whole country came together um, and he's working in the big moments and the small moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what advice would you give to the people who, um, haven't walked something that drastic, but want to experience God's goodness. Yeah. Um, this will sound like um, a Sunday school answer, but I, I have discovered that all the Sunday school answers were the right ones. And so um, <laughs> honestly, um, spending time daily in the word and in prayer just um, kind of wipes any smudges on, that get on my lenses Um and, and, and helps me see more clearly those little God moments that are in the everyday. It's, it's one thing to see it in the tragedy um, and to see God's hand at work in the midst of the drastic crisis. But it is, as you said, another thing to see him in the everyday mundane moments, the little inconveniences and the little blessings. Um, and, uh, and, and yet when I am in God's word regularly, when I'm staying connected to him in prayer, I am way more likely um, to, to attribute those moments to God, to have a Godward focus in that time. If I let even the music I listen to, like if you go to the radio stations pre-programmed in my car, cause I'm old and I don't do Spotify. Um, and, uh, but you, if I'm listening to Christian music more regularly than I am my old 80s station, <laughs> then <laughs> honestly, um, I find myself a little more kind of in tune with God, a little more God focused through the day. So just those little daily habits kind of keep me, um, tuned in to, to see where God's at work in, in the normal 24 seven stuff. Yeah. Yep. Well, we wanted to ask you quickly before we wrap things up, how are you tasting and seeing God? What are you praising God for right now in your life? In the small moments. In, in the, the daily moments. moments. Yeah, in the daily, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I do, I see God at work in, in the great big tragedies, but I see him also at work in the little blessings. And so, um, I, Honestly, I'm praising the Lord that my son got engaged to your sister. Yes, Lord, I think that's yes. super awesome. And yes. um, I, uh, I'm i actually um, in grandpa season right now. So I'm uh, just in the last couple of years here, kind of moved into that new chapter. And so um, holding little baby Josie, who's four mo- just turned four months old this past weekend, and I was getting to hold her. And, you know, she's laughing and giggling, and her little personality is starting to awaken. Um Man, I I don't take that for granted. I recognize those moments, seeing you know Carl propose to Kristen and Kristen saying yes, and getting to hold my granddaughter, and just these uh, honestly the bright fall sunny day that we spent together, Lauren, in that pumpkin patch, um, and just getting to see the beauty of God's creation. All of all of those little things, um, those have all been kind of manna for my soul. Those have all been uh, good moments where I've seen God at work. Yeah, definitely an answer prayer on both ends. Kristen and Carl were answered prayer on both ends. It's it's exciting when you know that two people are coming together and they're an answered prayer for both and that they're going to yeah. be a kingdom couple. So. You bet. You bet. And I think all those you shared, they can easily be overseen. Mm-hmm. You can walk through life and experience a beautiful sunset, um, a baby being born, all these beautiful things that are from God, miracles from God, uh, God's creation, everything like that but it's easy. You can just easily pass by those. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think a good challenge, um, from this podcast, from kind of hearing that testimony and how you've tasted and seen God is a challenge for all of us 
just to truly be intentional on looking for God in, in the small moments, in every little thing in life, intentionally look for God and be in his word. So like you said, we can, you know, clean our glasses, if you will, so we can see God in all the little things as well as the big things. Yeah. I, I, I give... I give props to people that, and I want to be more like that when they're just telling story after story after story. When I talk to them of God showed up in my life and this is how he did it today. And it was something that you could easily pass by. I mean, they, they had a rock or something of some crazy sorts that just, it, it hit them. And they're like, this thing is beautiful. It's a creation from God. And you're like, it's a rock. But, (laughs) but if, if we slow down and think of things, it's, it's awesome where even a rock came from. It's a miracle how a baby comes to be. Um, we just had a baby girl and she's two weeks old and you hold her and you're just like, this is a miracle. Just nine months of in the womb and she comes out and she's a person. She's breathing. She's alive. She's perfect. It's a miracle just yeah. how that all happens to be. And we need to stop in those moments and be like, thank you, God. Yeah. You're a miracle. That's awesome. Thank you for the sunsets. Thank you for that. And so I, I think the challenge for today, for this podcast, is be intentional. Hmm. Stop down, stop, slow down, and look for God. Be in the Word. Talk to God. Search God out in every moment of life. Make the most of opportunities. Yeah, Scripture says He promises, like He He's revealing Himself to us in lots of different ways. He knows how to speak to us. He knows um, how to draw us close because, again, that's His character. That's His ultimate goal. Um, so we know that if we're looking, we're going to find it because that's, that's what Scripture says. Yeah. Um, so I think with that challenge, it's a good place to end it. So thank you so much, Matt. Um, I am very excited to get this podcast out um, for hopefully a lot of people <laughs> to be encouraged by. So thank you again. We loved having you. Thanks Thank for so much, having Matt. me. And uh, hey, and congrats on the arrival of little baby Bexley. That, that Thank is you. awesome. Yeah. So I love that. Love yes, he knows. Tristan's like, you're telling everyone about our baby. Yes, yes, I am. Oh, yes, yes. No. There are many people excited. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's been there's been two things. Every person that sees her, they're like, one, wow, she has so much hair. <laughs> two, she looks so much like her brother. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, they look Rex a lot alike. Rex, that's a good thing. Right? Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt, once again for being on and sharing um, how you've tasted and seen God. That was awesome. You bet. Hey, thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Deuces. <laughs>